Welcome to Gucci Row on the Rebel HD2. I'm your host, Kevin Kelly, with co-host Will Despart. Sitting Gucci Row like they say up at UNLV. Thanks for tuning in to our courtside conversations covering all things NBA. Young Rebel, young money, nothing you can tell me. All right, uh, welcome back, Gucci Row. I'm here, your host, Kevin Kelly. Your co-host, Will Despart. And we're back with another one, man. How we feeling, Will? Good, how are you? I'm feeling well, I'm feeling well. We're uh, right in the swing of things, about to be in the dog days of this summer. So, um, yeah, a lot, a lot of young guys to talk about with the draft and summer league stuff. And um, give you a little preview for those guys. Let's get to it. So, um, to start with the draft, uh, you know, there is obviously 60 picks well 58 in this one um so we're not going to get to every guy but just talk about i guess some of the guys that we like in different um settings like how their fit is uh guys that we think can immediately impact or things like that um so i guess we'll just start off with the fit and um yeah like do you think will there's any guys that went to the perfect spot in the draft uh like their roster construction or how the franchise operates um was just perfect for what they can bring i don't know if it's perfect but i like the amen thompson pick for the rockets i think he's kind of what they need in there like a high iq player that can keep because they were not a high iq basketball team last season and i think combining him with Eme could really turn that franchise around mm-hmm. yeah that's a good pick um you know he uh, he's he's so valuable as a playmaker, and that's something they they really needed in the backcourt last year. Uh, you know, not that KPJ can't pass um, or Jalen Green, but they tend to look for their shot more. So, um, and a man really can help them in the backcourt, just getting things facilitated. And beyond that, uh, he's an incredible defender. So yeah, I agree. I think. The interesting thing to me will be to see um, how he, f- how, how they use him along with Sengun, who I think Ime said that he plans to use a lot more as a hub and like um, to start actions and facilitate the offense, which I love because, I mean, we've seen that very light but Joker light type stuff from him in terms of vision and how he's able to um, move it. So yeah, I think having another playmaker there would be awesome. One guy who I think fits really well um, in the system he's in right now is is Grady Dick, who got drafted to the Raptors. Um, You know, in the draft, he's just been labeled as one of the best movement shooters and one of the best shooters in general, which is something they really lacked last year. Um, And obviously getting rid of Fred, who walked to the Rockets, uh, he he took up a lot of their three-point attempts. So, you know... I think he's a guy who can come in and immediately help with shot making, and uh, that's a big one. Uh, do you have another one? Or? I also think it feels like Dick has a really high floor. Like mm. I don't see him like. I think he'll be a solid role player no matter like what happens in his career because he's just like that kind of makeup. Yeah, like no. a Caruso or a, even like I don't know. No, that's fair, especially you know because he's got. The thing that sells him to the NBA is his shooting, his movement shooting, um, and his off off ball defense too. But also, like in the um, short stints that we've seen at the summer league, like I think, like you said, his floor is just high because we've seen his ability 
when needed to get into pockets and create his own shot, um, which is something that guys maybe didn't uh, expect from him. Um, one more that I think uh, I'd be remiss not to mention is Jaime Jaquez to the Heat. Uh, that that was a pick that I didn't really expect them to take at the moment. Um, but after they did it and looking back immediately, it fits right in. Everything he does uh, on the floor, just in terms of, you know, how he's so versatile, he's able to fit different roles and uh, can slot right in on the wing. I think that he can make a pretty immediate impact with the Heat if he's not involved in one of those packages. Yeah, we'll see. But he's definitely a high IQ guy. Yeah. Type of guy I'd want in the lineup for the Heat. He's yeah. kind of like cut from that Jokic cloth a little bit, not anywhere near as athletic and skilled, but he's like a high IQ player that he plays mentally first and he can see the whole court. Yeah, real jack of trades, all trades. But um, yeah, he also, um, like a lot of the off court scene stuff that I've seen from him is, is uh, something you'd like too. Like um, just the way he talks about wanting to be a part of the culture and how he said he's he reached out immediately to UD. Um, it just seems like, yeah, he really is uh, on board with coming in and making a difference in Miami. Um, and then the last two I'll mention is uh, Keontae George uh, for the Jazz, who, you know, is on a team that pr- does lack shot creation um, from the backcourt. So I think that that's something he's stellar at and he's going to be able to, you know, create his own shots and uh, hopefully have an opportunity to really show what he's doing. And then the other one was uh, Brandon Miller, which, uh, to be fair, I think that, in my opinion, a lot of the reason they picked him speaks to this and how he fits along that roster. And I think they even abandoned best player available for that fit, Um, which I guess at number two isn't something that I'd recommend. But that said, like with their questions with uh, PJ Washington's free agency and stuff, it seems like he's slated to come in and you know have shots and have a position on the floor immediately. I didn't really hate the Brandon Miller pick. I obviously understand Scoot's the better prospect, but I don't think the difference was that crazy. Where it's like you're taking, you're making a huge mistake by drafting for fit in that position. I don't think it's like Wiseman and Ball in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and despite I think that it would work, there would be questions if it was those two in the backcourt. So the fact that it is Brandon going in there, I think immediately helps them more than maybe you'd have to figure things out if you took school. Um, another, I guess the next thing I'll hit on is uh, like just guys that we think fell later than we expected or guys that jumped up and were in the draft taken way earlier than expected. Um yeah, I think one for me that stands out is Bilal, who has had a draft rise that I don't remember seeing from anyone. You know, in early uh, spring, he wasn't even really on first-round boards for basically anyone. Um, and as as it, we progressed closer and closer to the draft, uh, he just got more looks. Obviously, he, he's from France, played with Wembenyama, so that um, added to the hype, but yeah, he jumped way up, and I think uh, the talk late really came up about his upside and what he can maybe bring because he's super young. So I think that one was a big surprise to me. I think going back to Hawkeyes, I was surprised he got drafted that high. I was expecting him to be more of like a late first rounder, maybe early second. But, I mean, I don't disagree with the pick. I didn't think it was horrible. I just think, you know, 
Yeah, like Could've I said, later. I mean, I didn't expect that at that point. I was, you know, looking at the big boards and best availables and, it, you know, <laughs> I'm no GM, but it wasn't who I would have picked. And like I said, immediately after, you know, even a day after till now, you you look back and I, I, I'm really glad we went up and got him at that time. So I agree. And then um, another one that uh, we could talk about how who jumped up was Ben Shepard who I don't even think was on the board for most people um, in terms of the first round and jumped way up. And then also uh, Brandon Podjemski, who went to the Warriors, who I think can make a pretty big impact. He, uh, maybe not immediately, but, you know, he's uh, really able to shoot it. He's got that, like, Luke Kennard-type style, and I think that he can, you know, add to that bench. and then, yeah, one more, I think, is uh, Cam Whitmore, who this is the most obvious one, but was uh, projected to go top 10, even top 5 in most mocks, and fell all the way to 20. Um, you know, it felt during the slide like it was he would go eventually, and it was just like, all right, is he going to go now? Is he going to go now? Is he yeah, going it was, now? Yeah, it was definitely interesting to watch that happen. All the way to 20. Um, and I saw him, uh, you know, he he took it in stride pretty well. He just turned 19. Like he's not. I think we kind of forget like how young these guys are and how difficult it might be to adjust to something like that. But uh, yeah, you know he's he's added it as a, just a chip on his shoulder, and um, I think that he fits really well. And the Rockets got a steal with two probably top six guys um, with just 20 and uh, and four. So that's. Uh, that that's another one to me, and then um, oh okay, I guess lastly Nick Smith Jr., who um, you know in the summer league has had a pretty big impact. He uh, he had a a rough year at Bama, just struggled with some injury, and um, you know when he came back, he had some shining moments, but wasn't able to really like piece it together consistently. So, um, yeah, he, he fell a little later than I expected, and I think in the redraft he'd, he'll, he'll end up being a lot higher. Um, so I guess to move on, uh, I think it's important we'd talk about the second round as well because especially, you know, in this draft I heard a lot of people talk about how um, one through five uh, seem to be pretty far separated from everyone who's like five through through 40 almost so it seemed like the talent pool after you know the first couple tiers was pretty similar so you you were able to get some late first round and early second round steals um so i guess a couple of those uh, i don't know if you want to start with that will Uh, i love the amari bailey pick for the celtics i think he has one of the higher defensive upsides in the entire draft, and I think he's the type of guy that could you could plug into the Celtics right away and get real like consistent playoff minutes. He, yeah, he got moved to the Hornets, but I agree. I mean, in terms of his skill set and everything, I think he can impact that immediately. Like he, uh, I think he's one of the top three uh, perimeter defenders on in the whole draft. So. You know, I think I agree there. I, I think yeah, that I don't know why I said Celtics. I meant the Hornets, but yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, but he. You know, I agree. I think that's a, a great pick. Another one for me. Speaking of Celtics, is uh, Jordan Walsh, who uh, I think I mentioned in our last episode a bit about him, just about how he's like a real rangy, long defender on the wing, um, a real hard-nosed guy, puts in a lot of effort on both ends, 
And, uh, you know, through, so far through the summer league, we saw he, he was really effective in shooting the ball from deep, um, which is, you know, something that wasn't projected to be a polished part of his game, uh, as well as uh, his ability to pass the ball. I think we've seen him make some, some reads that, again, probably weren't expected. And, uh, yeah, I think that he can plug in and fit in well in that system. Another one, I'm going to go with some uh, some hometown picks from upstate New York. We got uh, Jalen Pickett, who transferred from Siena to Penn State uh, and then got drafted by the Nuggets. Um, he, you know, he's got a really interesting skill set. He's like a 6'4 guard who plays way bigger than that. He does a lot of, um, uh, like, post-playmaking type stuff gets into like mid-range pockets and is a really good passer uh so i like that a lot and then the other one will go with andre jackson jr who went to the bucks from yukon and uh is a is a um graduate of albany academy so shout yeah, out to him i like that pick for the bucks i think he's a guy like i said about Marley bailey you can slot him in right away and if your team makes the playoffs he's a guy that can make an impact right away yeah his big uh upside on his how his career arc goes to me is going to be if he can add uh, a consistent jump shot. Because besides that, I mean, his uh, what he brings to a team is phenomenal in terms of how he's able to run the break, get guys involved in the half court and in um, fast break scenarios. And then on defense, he's so versatile, uh, can really move his feet with guards and is also long enough to slot in on the wing and guard some bigger guys. So that's a really good one, too. And then um, another one, which is just a real big upside pick for me, is Gigi Jackson, uh, who fell into the second round and got grabbed by the Grizzlies. He um, he uh, was the youngest player in the draft, and um, he was supposed to be a senior in high school this year and reclassified early and went to South Carolina. And, you know, had a, a bunch of hype coming into that. And... Uh, didn't have a bad year by any means in South Carolina, but didn't shine enough to jump into the lotto or anything and fell all the way down to the second. So I think the Grizzlies might have got a steal there. He's, you know, got such upside as a a, a wing that's able to create his own shot. And um, I like I like the way he moves. And then uh, another one I got is uh, Imani Bates, who went second round to the Cavs. This one's more, again, upside stuff. Um not someone you're expecting to immediately come in and already be ready to impact in a winning way. But, you know, he's someone that was touted as one of the highest uh, rated ranked recruits in high school ever, um, even too much at times where, you know, people were probably calling him KD and giving him expectations that, you know, were probably a little unrealistic. But I think that he, I heard him talking about how his mindset on the Cavs and how he's coming in and wants to just defend and be able to hit open shots because they have stars like DG and um, Donovan already there, which I think is a really important mindset to have as a young guy. Like so many guys want to come in and, and be able to like hezzy tween pull, but <laughs> half the time you have to just sit in the corner, get your open shots, cut and play defense. So if he's really ready to come in and just do that, I think that's great. <laughs> and then. <laughs> I think it's worth mentioning that after one of his summer league games, he uh, I don't remember his exact stat line, but he had like nine or so points 
and there was a, a BS tweet. Yeah, I'm not, not going to mention that. the account, <laughs> but uh, the the BS account tweeted about this fake stat line about how he had like 27 blah 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 and he 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 reposted the uh screenshot of it on instagram so everyone was wondering if like he didn't know his own stat line or if he just didn't see it he's a finesser <laughs> yeah but um so yeah i just think that you know these second rounders some of them we mentioned that are gonna be more upside guys and might not have that uh immediate uh you know impact on winning but there's also guys that we might not have mentioned in this second round that i could guarantee will come in and help the team a lot and we've seen that a lot in the recent drafts like when you look at just the last handful of drafts and second rounders some guys that have made an impact like you know herb jones iota sumo aaron wiggins trey jones kj martin nick claxton like terrence mann all those just within the last handful um second rounds so there's plenty of role player value, and like we mentioned about the upside, um, uh, again I'd be remiss to not mention that Nikola Jokic, the reigning Finals MVP, two times MVP, was a second round pick. So it's um, it's not like these guys are not capable of developing into something incredible. Um, to get past the second round, to move into just some of the undrafted guys uh, that signed deals, because again we've seen those have impacts too, especially you talk about how the Heat have constructed their rosters recently and they're able to find talent um, not in the draft. So I think a couple of those guys, even some that um, were mocked higher in the second and earlier in the year, probably in the first, uh, a couple of those are Turquavion Smith from NC State and Ricky Council from Arkansas. Um, you know, two guards who can go get their own shot uh, and probably lack a little bit on the other end. But, you know, I think that those are the type of roles that can um, get guys, uh, you know, even if it's only 12 minutes a game, and th th those contributions end up being um, really valuable to a team. So I guess uh, one more that I'd go with is, uh, just because he's so fun to watch, is Marquise Noel um, uh, from Kansas State who uh, we saw have a, an incredible run this year, and he was, you know, the engine of that offense. He's only 5'7", so that's, you know, a, a tall task. Yeah, I think the easy comparison is Isaiah Thomas. Yeah, yeah, and, you know, those guys uh, are a much more rare breed nowadays just because it's so hard to be on the floor at 5'7", because with how we've seen offenses evolve in terms of matchup hunting and how it's so important to not have a, a, a super weak link out there on defense. It makes it so these guys, it's tougher for them to get onto the floor. For sure. Um, so I guess we should get into a bit about the summer league. It's, uh, as we record this, just about ending. It's coming into the second weekend of it, which, you know, a lot of the guys end up sitting after the first, you know, handful of days anyway, so that's uh a lot of this good stuff is out of the way that we can talk about i want to open just by talking about the summer league itself and the atmosphere there uh this year was just unbelievable um you know i i've only i've only been able to make it to a couple of them so far but the whole first weekend was sold out which has never happened but uh the first day even sold out since zion in 2019 um you know i heard like chris vernon talking about how 
he had to literally go up to the high 200s just to get a seat um and yeah the whole the whole thing was just jumping for the first few days obviously to see uh Wemby so I don't know if you have some thoughts just yeah, about I that. moved here beginning of 2021 so I've been at every summer league since then the last three and that was the only time that I've really like been able to see people in the 200s at all like mm-hmm. it was crazy but yeah, it's absolutely insane how many people wanted to come see Wemby, and I think it just shows how excited people are to see him come in the league. Exactly, and I wonder, you know, I wonder how much of that is attributed to uh, the fact that guys that are people, fans, haven't really seen him play like that because, you know, he's not from the U.S. He didn't play in March Madness. He's uh, not on the Ignite where we can see him play all these G League teams. So... Um, you know, the NBA uh, streamed his game, some of his games on the NBA app, but you have to go out of your way to watch that. And I think for a lot of people, they didn't have this sort of um, immersion into the Wembenyama experience, even just through video. So it, it built the hype a little bit. But I also wonder if, like, it's more so that or on the other side of things, it's more so... Like, the NBA has done such a good job at promoting him in the last uh, year or so and just making sure his clips are everywhere and, like, uh, fans are, are able to build hype about it. Um, so, yeah, I wonder the dichotomy there and what really is, is factoring into it. Yeah, it seems like the Spurs were the perfect place for him to go to, not to go all tinfoil hat, but <laughs> it definitely seems like, I don't know, maybe they asked him. Like uh, the f- the original one is the Ewing draft with the... Uh, yeah, I could see this being the new Ewing conspiracy. The dog-marked card, yeah. <laughs> Just um, makes too much sense. No, nah, for sure. Uh, and it's like, you know, I think that the NBA is going to keep that going. Obviously, we're not going to get another prospect coming up here like Wembenyama. I mean, to expect that would be foolish of anyone. But th- that said... The NBA has, like, they um, showed Peach Jam this year on the NBA app for, uh, like, the AAU tournament Peach Jam, which has, you know, all the best recruits in the nation. And, like, they, they've they done well at promoting guys like Cooper Flag and uh, Cam Boozer, who are, you know, three years out from being drafted. It's not like they're coming in next year. But, you know, like I said, the NBA has done a better job at understanding that even as young as 15, 16, these guys can build a lot of hype and uh and i think we've seen that play out the nba can also start to focus on boozer and flag because there isn't really any huge prospects for the next two seasons coming in so it's kind of worth it to build the hype train on those two that's true yeah you know i guess next year we have some vegas hype just because uh matas buzelis and um ron holland the projected first two picks will be right here on the ignite but no for sure i mean they're not no one is uh, labeling them as generational like we saw with uh, Wemby or even, even Scoot for that matter. Um, so, yeah, I think also to to just add on to uh, what I was saying about the atmosphere there, if you're a Hoop fan at all and you haven't been, you absolutely have to go to, to Summer League here in Vegas. You know, it's a hub for everyone that loves the, the sport you talk about like the media presence there like last year i was able to just meet shams and have just a regular five minute conversation with him just like he wasn't you know preoccupied or people are just hanging out like you see coaches front office all the time 
um players i bumped into brandon ingram at the cosmo yesterday like it it absolutely is a must if you're a hoop fan so i figured it would was worth mentioning that too for sure um so i guess to get into some Wemby talk um you know that was what all the fans were here for and uh i think you know we saw game one he had to shake off a lot of jibbers <laughs> he had to shake off a lot of jitters and he showed some flashes on especially on defense like he had five blocks i think um and they really didn't even jump out as like uh anything abnormal so he had a slow start i know the socials were dunking on him after the first game just like Kai jones did <laughs> <laughs> which uh is funny to me because you see like his incident with Britney Spears and like they were chanting game one like hit me baby one more time in the crowd and then like you know after he got dunked on by Kai Jones that clip was all over the stand Twitter yeah they had a good time with that I thought it was hilarious not the type of people you want to get into a battle with on the internet <laughs> yeah they don't They'll really bury you they don't stop um but so that said like I like to take everything i see here at summer league with a grain of salt because it's uh not really always indicative of what we see next year or this coming year with when they get to the nba level but so i just like to look more at like what they're doing and you know how they're meshing and how they look as opposed to what the raw numbers say so you know for Wemby, like he struggled game one like i said but then he came out game two which is his last game here but uh you know he had 27 points 12 blocks i mean 12 rebounds three blocks but more importantly like i said when i look at it he just looked much more comfortable on offense like he wasn't he didn't seem to be in spots that were forced um he uh, got into pockets more comfortable like pick and pop middies and more post touches like he had one play where he went up for like a baseline floater got his own rebound on the other side of the hoop tipped it to himself and dunked it like just you know stuff that you've never seen from any anybody so that type of stuff is fun to watch um everyone's been impressed by his impressed by his passing ability so far and his vision uh like a quote about it he mentioned the court is like way more open in the nba it's going fast but it's less physical he said i get fouled a lot but not as much um which i think is you know interesting to see especially because he came from uh, a euro style of play and not like college one concern i had watching him was it definitely seemed like he was like his conditioning was a bit off it seemed like he got gassed really easily the second half he didn't look like he had much left in either game so i i think that's something he's definitely got to improve i'm i'm, I'm pretty high on him i think he's an instant home run like i'm i believe all the hype but it's i don't see him being a home run for like rookie of the year if he doesn't get his conditioning up i think check could bury him in that regard i did see that talked about um even just from players like i heard uh i heard someone mention that they had a, a few players come up and mentioned that that was the thing that caught their eye was that he looked a bit winded um after short stints but that's going to come along with the new game you know even like i mentioned how it's much different from europe but cam whitmore who played at villanova last year was uh on a through the wire podcast here and mentioned um, about how the biggest shock to him was just about the speed of the game to experience. And he's not like a, a tall, lanky guy who doesn't move well. So not doesn't move well, but a tall, lanky guy with slower foot speed. He's not that. Um, but he still has noticed like a pretty big difference in how the game moves. 
Um, I think it's also important to talk about uh, a couple of the second-year guys. Um, you know, like I think Jabari Smith Jr. has probably been everyone's MVP so far of the summer league. Um, Tari Eason's looked really good. Orlando Robinson, they were calling the Wilt Chamberlain of the summer league because he had like 35, 13, some ridiculous stat lines. And then, um, yeah, you know, Jaden Harvey, Jaden Hardy and uh, uh, Ivy, we've just seen like these guys um, who have, you know, like Ivy has Cade that takes a lot of the touches and usage. Hardy obviously has, has Kyrie and Luca. So these guys get a lot more chance to be the hub of the offense and um, run it through them, which I think is really valuable for their future. It's definitely a place where we see guys make a bit of a jump too. I think like IQ in his second year, Emmanuel quickly. He was I remember seeing him at summer league, and it definitely like felt like that was the time he was making a jump from like role player to a guy who can actually make an impact. Yeah, and and you know I, I think there's a lot of guys that don't play after their first year, uh, be it for ego or any other reason. Um, which you know I saw they also uh, through the wire they asked Jalen Dern about that just about um, you know whether third second year guys should come back or not and uh, I thought it was interesting he said I I really like his response he's he said it's not real cookie cutter I don't think you can just like say yes you should come back year two or three I think it really depends not only on where you're at in terms of like your own growth but also health like it's a long summer conditioning. I think these things are important, and it's not fair to just assume that because a guy is not playing, it's you know he thinks he's too good or whatever. But that said, I think you see, like you mentioned, taking jumps, a lot of value for these guys that do return, um, and also it helps the young guys a lot. Like I, I saw, Cam Whitmore was mentioning a bit about how Tari Eason is like the real vet for them so far. Um, so I think that that's big for these young guys, giving them a voice of like what the real NBA is going to look like and how to adjust to this. Uh, so yeah, you know, like I said, if you haven't been, summer league is absolutely a must, and you get to meet all the vets, young guys, coaches. You get to see whoever. It is just really, really a spectacle of the sport. So um, glad to cover that, and hope you guys can tap in soon. That was uh, pretty much it for this episode. I appreciate y'all for being here. Thanks. That's a wrap for Gucci Row this week. Thanks for tuning in on the Rebel HD2 with your hosts, Kevin Kelly and Will Despart. You can find us on Instagram at one Kev Kelly and Will Despart. We'll see you next time on the Rebel HD2.